coaches, welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, a podcast for the men in the trenches. I'm excited to have Coach Cade Lane from Sidewoods High School in Cypress, Texas on to talk to us today. Coach Lane grew up in Houston, Texas and graduated from Jersey Village High School. And besides Houston rappers Paul Wall and Chameleon, he has to be the most notable alumni to come out of Jersey Village. I don't know if he can rap like that, like those guys, but I know he can talk some football. After Jersey Village, Coach Lane went on to play defensive tackle at the University of Houston, where he started every game of his college career and was named second team All-Conference USA as a senior. Coach Lane is currently the inside linebackers coach at Cy Woods. They have been to the regional finals twice and to the regional semifinals twice. An impressive feat considering the school has only been been open for about a decade and plays in a really rugged, tough district over there in Cypress-Fairbanks district. Today we're talking to Coach Lane about linebackers and D-line and how they work together to stop the run and things he's learned about defensive football, both as a player and a coach. So lean in and enjoy. Coach Lane, it's great to have you on to talk to us today. I, I got to admit, I, I, we've never actually worked together, but uh, we've had some. We worked with some mutual coaches, and I've heard a lot of a lot of Cade Lane stories over the years. Most of which I'm sure aren't true, but so I feel like I know you pretty well, even though uh, we've only met once or twice. Uh, but it's great having you on. Thanks for thanks for coming on and talking to us. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I start off by telling us a little bit about your background. You're a Houston guy through and through. Is that is that right? That is. I moved to Houston when I was uh, before I started going to elementary school, and then stuck around. Never really left. Went to um, high school, Jersey Village. Played college at U of H, um, and then after college, graduated, moved back to the northwest side of Houston, and been there ever since. Well, tell us a little bit about. Uh, you said you know you played football at Jersey Village, and and, and then when they went on to play uh, defensive line at the University of Houston. Um, tell us a little about playing at the University of Houston. You played under some great coaches. That was uh, Bryles and his, his sort of his the, the beginning uh, of his career there at, at Houston. Um, so tell us, you know, some guys that, that, that you ran into, whether coaches or players or whatever, that at the University of Houston that really had an impact on you as a as a player and, and later on as a coach. Uh, you know what? Uh, even before uh, Bryles got there, I got recruited by Dana Dimmel, and uh, we had a real good Stevens coordinator, Dick Bumpus, who went to TCU after that. Um, oddly enough, my position coach in college, uh, his name is Eric Wolford. He um, was an O-line bef- guy before that. He's been an O-line guy ever since that. He's an O-line coach at South Carolina right now. But just learning from him, uh, actually learned quite a few good techniques from him, you know, which is odd because he was an offensive line guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the whole coaching change to, you know, when – Coach Bryles came in, things like that. I had um, Oscar Giles was one of my position coach, or he was my position coach for one year, uh, I believe. Then he went back to UT, and then Ron Harris, who was our DC, um, took over the D line, uh, I think, from safeties. So he was my my uh, at the end of my career there at U of H. He's now the head coach at uh, San Antonio Churchill. Okay, but, you know, just little bits and pieces. They they all taught me you know, some things that I try to carry over when I, when I coach D line as well. Yeah. Well, you had a successful career there. You were, uh, I know your senior year, you were second team all conference USA. And so when you leave Houston, uh, you, you jumped right into coaching. What was it that got you into coaching? 
You know what? Whenever I was kind of wrapping up that last semester, because I graduated in December of that last year that I was playing, so I was pretty much done. Uh, you know, when my football player, football days were over, so was my my college life. So, um, uh, my linebackers co- or one of the linebackers coaches when I was in co- when I was in high school, uh, they moved over with uh, this new school that was going to open up Cypress Woods. And uh, my old OC, when I was in high school, got the head coaching job. So he, you know, they just started talking to me, chatting with me. Hey, are you interested in get, getting into coaching? Which I was already beforehand. So, um, you know, whenever the school opened up in in uh, that following fall, um, that's, where, that's where it started. And so you uh, started at Cy Woods, Cypress Woods, and that's in the Cypress Fairbanks District. Uh, a really right. uh, competitive, tough uh, 6A district. Uh, there in, in in Houston, and 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 you've been there most of your coaching career. Is that correct? Right. I was there. Um, let's see. We opened in 2006, and I was there through the spring of 2014. Then I had an opportunity to go to uh, Magnolia High School as the co-defensive coordinator, and um, and worked with the outside linebackers there uh, for two years. And then um, something called me back. I came back home. Uh, I was commuting from Cyprus that whole time too, so that was a little bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, they they welcomed me back with open arms back at Cywoods, and uh, now I've been back there coaching inside linebackers. Great. Well, so going back to you know your first job out of college is at a brand new high school. You're opening up a high school. Uh, what was that like? Again, breaking into 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 coaching, and you're coaching. You're you're opening up a brand new high school. What was that like? Um, you know, it, it was it was really interesting and a really nice opportunity to you know kind of get my feet wet in the coaching in the, in the coaching world. You know, if you will, we were just having a JV schedule, so we didn't have the the seven week or the seven day a week grind for you know three or four months. So that was uh, kind of a nice little ease into it. Plus, just the the process of creating a culture and and building upon one that hadn't been you know hadn't happened yet because. Right. You know, they hadn't had seniors, and then we opened with freshmen and sophomore, and then they also came from, I believe, three different schools that were all pretty much rivals of each other. Oh wow! And to to create this new one, so um, it was really really cool opportunity. To I'm really appreciative of uh, Coach Jones of giving me the opportunity to open it up, and uh, it's yeah. a really nice way to start your coaching career. Well, yeah, and 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 so. Y'all have enjoyed a lot of success in your time there. You've been over there, been there over ten years now. You've seen the school start from uh, a sub varsity program to now uh, competing again. Like I said, on one of the toughest uh, football districts in the state of Texas. And so, what have been some highlights for you uh, in your time there at Cy Woods? And uh, this is one of the one of the stories that you know, if you've any recollection of Cy Woods football, like. A lot of those older guys, those guys, that first few graduating classes, that's kind of their big time moment because the next year we played them again, played Skyline again in Temple, and we beat them uh, in the third round. And that, I mean, that may as well have been our Super Bowl. I mean, the yeah, yeah, you know, it was just going crazy, rushing the field. Our our principal was wearing a crown and a cape and a scepter. <laughs> uh, she was, you know, she was just uh, so ecstatic about just how, uh, you know, how big of a moment it was for us. So. Uh, we ended up lose, losing the following week to Stony Point in the regional finals. But, you know, we, we've been to two different regional championships, which is really 
you know, a good experience. It's tough to play into December. Beyond that, even a couple uh, just regional semis. Uh, well, well, talk about it. You're sort of in a unique situation too, being in that district. Uh, and I know they've split it. They've split up the the fair district a little bit with this last right. alignment. Um, but for most of the time that you, you've been there, you know, you guys are playing typically. Uh, I think it was two non-district games. Is that right? Then you're jumping right into district. No, we uh, before this past year it was. One non-district and then nine straight districts. So one non-district game and, and and nine straight district games. So talk about yeah. that. That's that just that's 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 tough because there's not a whole lot of time to get ready. Plus, there's so much familiarity no. between all the schools. So talk right. about that and, and the the challenges of of playing such a heavy district schedule. You know, you you like the opportunity to have to be able to to have an off week. Maybe you know, in the past it was. Play your three non-district games. Get yourself an all week off week going to your district schedule of seven games. But when you play nine, it's tough and it's a grind. So I think our we lucked out to where we played that first week. We were off the second week, and then we just had to get get ready and go. And you know, for nine straight weeks. Yeah. Um, and it was you know it was difficult because you know after one scrimmage and, and one non-district game, it's like all right, let's you know let's let's go to work and let's go to town. Yeah. And the, the the most difficult thing was two years ago when we played, that was our last year in the um, 10 to 10 game or uh, 10 team district. Uh, Harvey knocked out our, our everything. It knocked yeah. out our yeah. scrimmage, knocked out our first round game. We basically came back, practiced for a week and then played uh, a district game. Wow. Which is really, really difficult, really yeah. tough. Yeah. Especially implementing a new offense like our offense was. Um, so unfortunately we struggled at the beginning cause we didn't have that. We didn't have the chance to right. go against anybody else right. over the course of 10 months. So, right. Well, for those, and those listening, um, you and I have the, the head coach who opened up, uh, Cypress woods, uh, and then a couple of the, of his assistants are, are, is now my head coach and, and, and assistant assistants here, uh, at, at Kerrville Tyvee where I coach now. So, uh, I've heard all those Cy Wood stories and, and just always found it really kind of amazing that, you know, y'all would have one non-district game and then you're jumping right in there, uh, into a district where everybody knows everybody, they know what you're doing. And, and there's really no secrets between any of the teams because you all are in so, in such close proximity to each other. Kids yeah. are living right there next to each other. And there's really, the, once you got in a district there, even the teams that ha- were struggling that year, uh, still had a, a chance to come out and, and beat you if you weren't ready. I've heard stories of Absolutely. there was a game I think y'all were playing where maybe the starters were had their helmets off or whatever in the second half, and I think it was maybe Cy Springs or something that yeah. came back. Yeah, yeah t- talk about that game. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was one of those things. We went, you know, we win that game. We're in the playoffs. It's the last game of the year. They're, they had struggled all year long. We were up by 28. So, you know, in the box, we're pretty, pretty happy, pretty excited. About eight minutes left to go and uh, start breaking everything down, uh, breaking the cameras down. Breaking, by the time we get down, we're like, hey, let's go coach, coach them up from the sidelines kind of a thing. We get down there and uh, they had scored a touchdown. It was 21 points. Okay, not too bad. Then we go and they kick an onside kick and recover it and, you know, drive down and score in a couple, you know, not too many and while we're trying to put in all of our seniors on what probably could be the last game that they would play. Right. And, uh, yeah, so our, all of our other guys were 
taking tape off on the, you know, our stars taking tape off their ankles on the sideline or off the wrists. And then, uh, all of a sudden it became a game. So, um, I think it, what ended up to me, it was about a minute left. Um, we were up by 16, I guess, whatever the case was. I think it was 16 because I think they scored uh, with right at about a minute left. Luckily, they missed the two-point. Uh, they finally kicked another onside kick that we recovered this time. Uh, that was definitely one of the more frustrating things because it was, you know, just a big opportunity. Just to, right. I think I guess that was probably the uh, second, third year, yeah, maybe that we were varsity. Yeah, and uh, you know we had had the we had the mentality we had the tr- the tradition we had never missed the playoffs and oddly enough if we had lost that game we would have missed the playoffs but I think we won it and we actually might have shared the district championship uh, or something that's how close yeah you know that 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 uh, that district was at the time uh, with you know you you win a game you're the you're district champ you lose a game you're out of the playoffs so. But luckily, it worked out in our favor, and uh, and we got out of there uh, as fast as we could. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I think I've heard because again, I've heard that story so much that I think I feel like I've, I I was there uh, watching it, and, and I think you're right. I think it was one of those things. If y'all win, you, you you're you get a share of the district title, and you lose, you're out of the playoffs, and that's how close that's how close it was in that kind of district, and and mm-hmm. uh, and and you know people talk about all the time about how how tough and difficult uh texas high school football is and, and you guys are living it right there and 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 really the epicenter of it in, in the middle of, of houston um and 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 that just goes to show how how thin the margin of error is uh with 6a football in the state of texas so well let's mm-hmm. let's let's switch over and let's let's start getting into some d-line stuff and some defensive stuff right. you guys uh have been you i know you've been in and you've coached four-man front odd front uh, but currently, mm-hmm. and, and for the last several years, y'all been in an odd front. Um, talk yep. about that and, and what you like about it. Uh, you know, especially in our neck of the woods in the Big 12, you're seeing a lot of guys, a lot of teams, uh, you know, University of Texas, Iowa State, uh, even, you know, TCU and some of those other guys are, are starting to employ this, you know, this, this odd front um, in, in a way to, to battle or, or to, to defense against or defend against the, uh, you know, spread and, and RPOs. You know, going to this odd front and add an extra nickelback or, or a secondary guy. Uh, so, talk to us about what you like about your your odd front. Uh, well, you know what, personnel wise, um, it, it worked out nicely for us. Um, we didn't quite have as you know as many of the D line types that we had in the past. We had a little bit more angular types that might be better served as outside linebackers for us. Um, you know, plus if you want to bring that fourth guy, you don't know where he's coming coming from so that's something else you got to account for so that's you know helpful obviously if you just got four hands down you know you count them you, you know where they're at you double team one on you single up everybody else and it's all good but uh you know when you got three you try to double and that other backers come in it's a little bit harder to to pick up right uh, but it worked out nice you know what, what we've done um is you know a, a We've done a pretty good job of understanding uh, how everything works, how everything fits together. We've got the got right guys in the right spots because you know you do need a nose. It's going to be a little bit of a of a bigger kid that can take on a few more double teams than probably what you'd see in a four three or or a four man front. Um, and then you know finding kind of the same same type, bigger bodies, but still pretty athletic defensive ends that can get inside and play a four technique or work outside and play a five. 
Well, tell me about your defensive ends. Are you playing those guys in fives most of the time, or do you all have them in at four eyes, or, or how do you play those defensive ends? A lot of the times we line them in fives. Uh, we have different ways of, of kind of tagging our, our front. So uh, most of the time we play them in fives, and then we will basically slant the which everyone's going to play a four. We'll slant, slant to a four, and then the nose will work to his they got on the five side. So then the five's already kind of set in place. He doesn't have to step. We found that when you get him in fours and you step him to a five, it's it's harder to play the down block and get anything on the tackle. Right. Um, but when you go ahead and line him in a five, in a, in a tighter five, he can take his good step. And if he gets a down block, then he can squeeze and get his spill where you're not always chasing and, and leaving the linebackers hanging him out to dry. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's talk about those three guys. Uh, you already kind of touched on the nose guard and how he needs to be, you know, really a, a, a dude that's going to take on double teams and have that sort of mentality – um, you know, uh, uh, where he's eating up gaps. So, so, but talk about those three guys up front. Your defensive ends. Uh, what are some things that you're looking for out of those out of those defensive ends? What are some things they need to be good at in order for that defense to be successful? You know, just understanding um, all the little fine fine tuned things. They can't be they can't be wild men that don't that that don't play with any technique. They gotta. You know, if, if you're supposed to step to the four, you got to make sure you're square. You got to make sure you're stepping to the four. You got to make sure you're you're uh, reading the hip of the guard and you're playing square. And then, uh, but you got to have a base about you. So if you get a down block and it's a you know down down, and the tackle gets on your backside shoulder, he doesn't wash you all the way to the sideline. So we try to find some guys that probably would be maybe uh, probably a hybrid between like a three technique and a defensive end. Yeah. Uh, in a in a four man front. Uh, some with a little bit bigger base on them, but can run well enough to at least string out a string out a run and play. Right. Uh, to where if they kept on bouncing, then then the guys behind them can go rally and make plays. But we try to you know we try to find five um, five to play three, so we can get a little bit of spot play. If you can find a guy that um, obviously I think the outs the the defensive ends are somewhat interchangeable because we we would mix them around playing fives playing fours. Um, so it's hard to just say, oh yeah, leave your five technique as you know the as the bigger bigger one, you know, or vice versa. Um, well, it's kind of our weak side, the the guy that was like more towards the boundary was being spread stuff. Uh, he was probably the quicker one, just because if there was a play away and he could, you know, get flat and maybe run it down or you know maybe hopefully yeah yeah uh, kind of a thing you know. Uh, and then the other one will be there just because he's probably the one that's playing a five technique or playing uh, versus a tight end or playing a four technique when, you know, if we're mixing the front up versus a tight end as well. Yeah. And you've, you talked about, uh, you know, with a four-man front, which which we're a four-man front. And, and um, I know one of the things that we run into, an, an issue that we always run into that you have to have an answer for is, you know, what are you going to do uh, to disguise or, or to change your B-gap bubble, your weak side B-gap, you know, in an over front, a 4-3 over front? Right. And obviously with a with a three-man front, that's that's not really an issue you run into because you can play those defensive ends in the B-gaps and take that away. Mm -hmm. um, so talk about that with, with your ability to move those guys inside and outside, um, being able to sort of dictate what the offense can do uh, with, with those three guys up front. Right. And, we, you know, there's – to me, it's easy. It's just it's, uh, from the defensive line standpoint, it's easier to play to go ahead and line up in the shade and play it. And, right. Um, and we've, you know, versus some teams, that's what we do because that's 
because, you know, based on the scheme that, that we're going to get, we'd probably go ahead and say, you know what, it's best just go and show them where we're at and then just, just play it from there. Uh, so there'll be some times we move, sometimes we lined up in it. And then there'd even be some times where we'd shade a, um, you know, five strong or four weak, and then we'd, we'd slant them opposite just right. to give them the illusion that we're set one way and then we go the other. Right. Which, which did some pretty nice things when you're shading it, you know, you have your nose shaded strong and then, you know, nine times out of ten, that that guard and uh, center are going to go double team on them, and then now you slip, you know, slip to the backside a gap where that guard is now looking to kick back on his four technique, who's now outside under five. So that worked out some nice, uh, pretty nice for us. Um, on occasion, we played more spread teams. We didn't really do that as much when we played maybe teams with a tight end, right? A right. Bit more, you know, two back stuff, right? Um, but it just uh, it, that helped us out a little bit to be able to move those around. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it got wordy for some of the, you know, some of the ways that we want to call it because we didn't have the ability to line up in the shade, so we called it shade this and that. We didn't want to call it well, okay, we're gonna line up in heads, so we call it heads this and that. We went where everybody's where we got a head up nose and two head up fours. Yeah. And then just if it was a uh, our front, which is Toro Army, um, which I'm sure y'all use the same terminology. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's that's kind of us telling going to to the collar away from the call. So that's when we would basically line up with two five with our two fives and then our nose um, as a head up, and then he would slant strong, and then the backside or our end would slant to his four and so on. Okay. Well, so if I'm a uh, if I'm a, a, a defensive coach, listen to this, and and I uh, kind of like myself, and, and I run a four man front, and I'd like to mix in some some odd front uh this next season and, and we have at times over the last couple of years we've gone to it more and more just as as situations dictate or game plans dictate mm-hmm. or even our personnel dictates uh right we, we've we've started to incorporate it more and more but talk to me if 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 you know you had a guy come and see you this spring and say hey i'm a, I'm a four-man front guy but i'd like to start using some three-man front what are some things that you would tell them what are, what are some things those guys need to know before they before they start doing that you know the the fits do get a little bit get a little bit stickier because you got you know three guys rather than four so you've got to account for the quarterback run game or the quarterback pulling it on zone with an inside linebacker where whereas maybe you would have a five right kind of a thing you can't rely on the outside linebacker because he's also got to slow it down and kind of help out to make sure he doesn't chunk the bubble the bubble kind of stuff so um you know, I, I think that if, you know, depending on personnel, what you've got, you know, I've seen some teams play with four down linemen that one of their defensive ends could very well be an outside linebacker for us. Yes. Um, so it, what would probably be best if you could do it with the personnel that are already on the field with as much up tempo stuff that you have, whether it be your weak side defensive end that maybe just back up be a um uh, outside linebacker or maybe even back them up as an inside linebacker and bump your outside your inside backer out yeah you know something like that maybe try to incorporate something with those guys that are on the field um because i think you know you just give them a signal and then they just flip and go to where they're supposed to be kind of a thing yes uh you know i think that would be helpful um honestly we had we because we do the same thing with our three-man front, and then all of a sudden we go to a four-man front, and bam, we, we just drop an outside linebacker as a defensive end. Kind of the same idea. Right. I think it's a little bit easier from that standpoint. It's easier to tell a guy that has been dropping in pass coverage all the time, but, hey, now you get to go rush the quarterback. 
you know, basically right. it's kind of a stunt for him. Um, but it definitely takes some coaching to, and that's why, you, you know, depends on those, that personnel. If, you know, maybe if you've got another guy that might be another nickel type guy, then yeah, bring him on in and, you know, take out the three tech or whoever your you know, weakest D lineman is. Yeah. And then just have a package for it, which, you know, we've, uh, everybody's kind of done throughout the time, you know, throughout the course of time. Hey, let's put our, our dudes on the field. And, um, and so on. But that's what I would say. If you can do it the, with the level that you got out there already, because, you know, we're in high school football too. We're, uh, our level on defense are going to be the best level we're going to put out there anyways. Exactly. Regardless of the front, you know. Because if he's the next best inside linebacker or outside linebacker, he's probably going to be a pretty good defensive end too. Exactly. Um, you know, type thing. Well, and it, and it and it's it's when you're defending an offense, uh, for me, one of the toughest offenses uh, to defend is when uh, guys can, you know, they can they, they can um, go from 20 personnel or uh, 10 personnel or 21 personnel. They can do all those things without changing the guys that, the, like, like you said, to get changing the 11 that they have on the field. So you have a tight end who can have his hand in the ground, you know, on the line of scrimmage attached to being a slot, to being an H-back. You know, and, and yeah, and messes with those tendencies, doesn't it? Whenever yeah, those yeah. Personnel, right? Because you you know you you don't you, you can't rely on the guys in the in the box to tell you okay so and so's out now and now so and so's in so we know they're going to be in this. So I think that's a great point that if you can do it with the eleven on your uh, that you have on the field, uh, that obviously that's ideal uh, being able to do that. But then again, if you can if you can't afford that, which we 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 honestly we haven't we've we've taken off a. Uh, you know, our, like you said, like you said uh, towards the end, our, our weakest D lineman and, and run on our uh, nickel guy, and and they know that's that's you know we're, we're they're coached up during the week to know when we make that call that that you know who's coming on, who's coming off, and and obviously the the a lot of offense is going to be alerted to that. But uh, you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, but yeah, right. that's a great point about you know if you can do it with the eleven that you have out there, that's that's definitely ideal. Mm-hmm. Well, so now you're coaching linebackers. Talk, talk to me about how you coach your linebackers. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Fitz earlier. How, how do you coach mm-hmm. those guys up to work off of what the defensive linemen are doing in front of them to, you know, make those D linemen right and, and to make the right run fits and be solid against the run? Right. So, um, you know, working the inside linebackers, they're basically, you know, one's an A-gap fitter and one's a B-gap fitter. Yeah. But when you got three down linemen, um, you know, they got two guys that still can just climb to you. So, uh, the biggest deal is um, alerting my guys, make sure they know the front call so they can understand where the line's going. I, t- I teach them pre-snap to tap their hip because, um, you know, with the strength call um, and then flipping back and forth, and then some ca- sometimes my mic might go down and then my next wills may be the best one or the next one that's ready, so he might have to go in there. So I try to teach them um, just kind of tap their hip so if we are in a heads alignment or, or a base alignment, uh, before we slant instead of just lining up shaded um, they have an idea of where that where that line's going so then they know that if there's an inside zone that goes in the same way as our line then they can kind of be a little bit slower and work backside because if the yes. guard's climbing up the, the that nose is not going to take over the a and the b gap and then basically freeze us up a little bit yeah um you know so you know we'll still get the doubles and open doors and go close type scenarios but um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a lot, a lot of, uh, effort and time of just getting those guys to understand how their fits work and, you know, the, the way that we, um, 
we coach it is they, they talk to each other. They do a lot of pre-snap stuff. My inside linebacker has got the full technique to his side. He'll make a help call, um, which just means if there's any puller going in that direction, the backside backer's got to go with them to be the second spiller kind of a scenario. So they just there's a lot of, you know, communication back and forth between the two of them, you know, of where where the four is, who needs the help, who doesn't need the help. Um, we've, we've kind of gotten out of it in the past. It was uh, if you were the four technique backer, then that means – you would be the extra rush guy. You would add a fourth man. Yes. Um, but then, you know, honestly, with so much, we honestly didn't see a whole lot of just straight drop back. It was more or less quick game, right. uh, screens, sprint out, somewhere to break in the pocket. So we kind of got out of that, um, and we kind of used them as a spy drop, more or less, because we've seen some athletic quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, he's more or less a spy, whereas the other one's dropping off a three, so he can go add – as needed if he breaks the pocket or if he steps up. It's just important to, you know, for those guys, back to the original question since I've gone off topic a little bit. No, no, um, no. You're good. You know, it's 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 important for, you know, the D-linemen, especially the biggest thing I harp on them is the thing when I, when I played D-line. Hey, if you're in the wrong gap, it's okay. The linebacker's going to make you right. Um, and I don't really like that saying because I want you to be in the right gap. Yeah, I would, yeah. I, I always yeah. got upset if I wasn't in the right gap because then – now, as an inside linebacker's coach, you have somebody that's on the front that's in the wrong gap, and it's not all right sometimes. Right. If you're supposed to spill the fullback and you don't spill the fullback, well, now you, we're expecting you to spill them. That's why we're outside of you. Right. Kind of a thing. Yes. Um, so it's it's a big trust factor, and we, we do spend a lot of time at practice working in fits, uh, you know, just, you know, give me an offensive line and a quarterback tailback or whatever, you know, whatever their favorite set is. Yeah. And then just go over constant, you know, counter one way, counter the other way, a stretch counter, which we're seeing a ton of now, uh, or stretch counter opposite kind of a thing. Just to get all those reps and then try to, you know, make it as best um, tempo-wise to where you can see those fits in the, the best live action that you can see. Yeah, well, so do you do, a, are y'all doing a lot of, you know, group work together with the, the D-line and the linebackers together to work on those run fits and that communication? Yeah, we will. Well, um, beyond our individual, uh, we probably try to set at least 15 minutes a day, just run fits. Um, I'll be, it's, I mean, it's obviously it's pretty important to get in the right place. And, you know, those guys see counters coming at them. So the D lineman can go spill and then all of a sudden it's a GT. So we got a spiller and then another spiller and, uh, you know, just identifying if they're, somebody's really kind of doubling front side or if they're, they're truly gapping it all the way back. Uh, little things like that that we just try to – we don't obviously get the best look sometimes because all the offense is on the other other side doing their thing. We're, we're basically using, like, the twos. Right. And I'm just finger painting uh, yeah. some blocking schemes. Yeah. I try to, I try to install, like, like, four just, okay, if I show you this number and point a direction, that's what it should look like. Yeah, uh, but of course, there's always a drill killer in there that messes up everything. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad y'all have those guys best. too, and that we're not the only ones. Yeah, yeah, you're oh, right. Ask, ask Jeremy; he's point, seen plenty of drill killers <laughs> in his time. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I'm. But, uh, I'm sure he. I'm sure he threw. Uh, you know, he 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 had to go off on on several uh, uh, carnies, as he would call them. Uh, yes. You know, over there, you know, for guys who're screwing screwing, uh, you know, their assignment up after you just told them what to do. Well, so I liked what you said about, 
when you say you know you, you know D line guys, hey, it's okay if you if you get out of if you get gap removed because the linebacker will make you right. And and you know, technically, yeah, they 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 most of the time will, they should, but, but they should. But exactly, it's you know, I I don't like that either because you know you want your guys to be right because. I don't want them with with that mentality going into the play with that mentality like, well, it's it's okay if I lose my gap because my linebacker buddy behind me is going to pick up the slack. And I think sometimes we can sort of we got to be careful about you know throwing that out there because yeah, technically yes, those linebackers can make us right, but you know ideally we're playing our gap that way they they have the freedom to press their gap and everything fits like it should. But yes, if so, if things go badly, that you know, linebacker. You know, a lot, especially those guys who've been playing the position for a while, or should be uh, instinctive enough to to fall behind if if, if they need to, or, or play over the top if they need to. But right. Um. So so with those D line guys, you know, again, as D line coaches, sometimes we get so caught up in you know coaching our guys and what they need to do that we forget to to talk to our guys about the big picture and how what mm-hmm. they do affects those guys behind us, even the secondary guys. So how important is it for D-line coaches to teach their guys not just what they do, but how their job you know, has a trickle-down effect to the rest of the defense? You know what? I think there's some players that will get it and care to get it and yeah. understand it, you know, and yeah. they can kind of absorb it all and kind of see how the big picture goes. Unfortunately, nowadays, with all the Fortnite there is in this world, <laughs> uh, just the – the football IQ is just getting smaller and smaller that we have to kind of try to build up as best we can. Yeah. You know, in meeting times, honestly, when it comes, you know, when I, in, in whatever the aspect, cause I mean, I'm, obviously I'm doing the same. I do the same thing with my inside linebackers. Okay. This guy's going to be here. That's why you're going to fit here. Kind of a thing. Right. Um, you know, but it, it, it does numbers, it does, you know, wonders to just Show show everybody how it all how it all works out. You know your whole position group, obviously. Right. Hey, what's that first guy going to do? What's the second guy going to do? This is why you can't, as a nose, why you can't cross face, um, right? A back block to a counter away. This is okay. This as a defensive end, like in our scheme, our four technique doesn't run and chase a, a guard tackle pull because if he does, then he's allowing a big old cutback. Exactly. Um, you know, whether it be off of, you know, quarterback pulling it or stretch ops or whatever it may be. Um, you know, so it's just harping. In the big picture, would you like them all to know everything? Sure. But, you know, it's 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 hard to get across sometimes with the, with the amount of time that we that we get to spend with them. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. And, and, and... and I'll do the same thing in a film session. You know, I'm like, okay, well, he should have been here, which means you should have been here to fit a little bit tighter. But when he's getting kicked – yeah, that's, you know, that's why it gashed because he should have been here. You would have been tighter. That allowed him to get here. So, you know, I try to at least do it at that point in time. Hey, here's why this right trap hit for 70 yards. Right. Because okay? right. he's trying to go up the up the hill and make the play. And, yeah, right. that didn't happen. Yeah, and, and so I think it's it's on us, you know, and I'm, I'm when I say us as a D-line coaches, you know, not to teach th- – those guys don't have to go out and be able to call a defense on Friday night, but at least to know enough to say, hey, yeah, you can't cross face when that guard pulls or you can't chase that guard because when you do that, you're putting the dude behind you in a really bad position. Or defensive end, you have to collision that tackle on a down block because when you don't, that tackle's going to hit that linebacker. And he's mm-hmm. counting on you getting something on him, so he's not just getting mauled at the snap of the ball. And, and so I think we got to remember to sometimes, you know, zoom out just a little bit and show those guys how 
you know, although that little thing we're asking you to do seems pretty inconsequential to you, uh, it really has, it can turn a, a, a you know, a, a, a negative running play to one that, that an explosive run play, right? I mean, it can, right. it can really spring a play. So, well, well, talk to me about, you know, again, I know, I know it's been a, a few years since you've been a D-line coach, but, you know, back to when you, when you were, what were some of your favorite, uh, I, I call them everyday drills that you use to, to emphasize fundamentals and to teach fundamentals? You know, um, honestly, just to, at the beginning, of course, earlier in the year, that kind of stuff, we're getting a stance for what seems like forever just because they haven't been in one forever. So, right. you know, right-handed stance, left-handed stance, understanding the short step. Um, do a lot of partner, of like, one-on-one stuff, not, you know, not competing one-on-one, but, you know, a lot of partner stuff, working a shade, um, you know, defeating the three blocks, defeating the base, defeating the down, defeating the, the reach. Um, and all of that stuff partnered up kind of helps. One thing that I've done, even as early, um, actually I got this from the, the, the guy that was the D-line coach when I was in Magnolia, was um, put jerseys on on the on the D-lineman when you're out there in the helmet for four days, for however many days, you can't do anything uh, contact-wise. You can still do all your handwork. You can still use all your, you know, it's just a whole lot easier. It's a lot, that jersey is a little bit more forgiving than just a, their workout gear that's going to rip the first time you do it. Plus, you can kind of wad it up and get get kind of a hand, um, you know, a handful of it. So, when you push, pull, and, and things like that, it doesn't, you know, strangle anybody. Right. But, right. Uh, you know, just a lot of one-on-one stuff just to understand just that just I mean get either whether it's just partner them up down the line or or getting two or three to go at a time just so you can see um you know what it, hey let's go base let's go base let's go base and let's go down 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 let's go reach 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 and then um you kind of get an eyeball on all of them just over and over because it's again it's important of those little things when I was coaching D-line it was big to me I did everything on a line and I didn't want them past you know up past that line, you know, because right. there's nothing worse that can be, okay, yeah, I worked down with a down block. Now you're two yards in the backfield rather than the line of scrimmage on the heel line, and now that kickout block is coming to get you, no matter, like, it's going to get there. Um, whereas, you know, when you keep them on the line, you kind of show them, hey, you're going you're gonna to spill that, that block coming back to you just by alignment. Like, he's not going to see you. He's going to sit there and you'll be waiting on the ball to show up because he's not going to be able to find you. So little things like that. Um, I love to sled every day uh, as much, well, not as much as I could, but um, you know, I always like to like some sled work. And it's not one of those I've been because uh, I worked with another guy um, that loved to sled. He loved to keep them on there for a while, and I don't think that's what it needs to be. I think it just needs to be about a two, three second, you know, pad level punch, turn those feet, and escape kind of a thing yeah yeah um and i've tried to incorporate that with a little bit like with a button press from the inside linebacker standpoint but it's a lot harder when those guys are little frail guys compared to my big d lineman i had in the past but, right um you know but sled was another good thing uh did a lot of um early on um let's see i did a lot of get off get off redirect uh i used to kind of go down the line we'd all you know go this way I'd kind of use a, uh, use the bags kind of as their base, almost like they're straddling the bags, hand on the end of the bag kind of a thing to make sure they're not stepping under themselves. 
and then work on get off, maybe through a shoot, maybe not get off and then change in direction, planting and redirecting. Right. Um, I incorporated the backside end to on the redirect. He's squeezing to the, basically the quarterback and then planting and, and redirecting back to the side he came from just because of all the, um, you know, implementation of our zone read exactly getting squeezed take cut back and then now at least the quarterback keeps you can rally inside out of him right uh kind of a thing then do the same thing get off pass uh just try to show me hands whether even if it's on air show hands flip hips get vertical um working screen drill off the same thing bam balls out fast plant redirect and then um same thing with draw set up for pass tucker for draw plant that inside foot or plant that foot, turn to the inside and go back where you came from. So just, you know, all of those things. Um, and you got a lot of individual time. They, I mean, they're, they're good if you do them right. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this at the beginning, uh, just with, with how competitive, uh, things are in your district and, and, and uh, how tough it is to, to have an, an edge on your opponent. So defensively, what are some things that, that y'all do, whether it be in practice or, or, in the off season or whatever, what are some things that you do defensively to sort of build that mentality uh, of, or that culture of great effort, you know, getting to the ball, arriving with evil intentions, those kind of things that, that don't always necessarily show up in the stat book, but some things that you do to, to, to incorporate that mentality in your defense. Um, you know, we have uh, during the year, we, we give out, cause I know y'all, y'all have this as well. Coach Jones that we have the, the 212 mantra type thing. Yep. You know, um, so we give out 212 stickers um, based on game film. Hey, what, you know, what's going on? Who, who gave great effort, great effort on this play? Whether you made the play, whether you didn't, did you go above and beyond to like, even though if it was 60 yards down the field to never give up uh, type thing. So uh, we did that. Obviously it's, you know, kind of the haze in the bar when it comes to, to the season, but one of the biggest things I do, whether it be off season uh, or mostly in off season, obviously, just every drill that we do, I, I mean, I tell them it's got to be the, the, you got to be physically exhausted at the end of, at the end of the drill. You got to put everything into it. You got to give give great effort to finish the drill. I mean, I was I almost ripped some kids head off heads off the other day doing jump ropes, just because you know they would do the okay, I'm jump roping for 30 seconds and then. It just wasn't fast enough. It wasn't. It wasn't enough effort for me. Or, or they, you know, they'd mess up on the jump rope, and then they're taking their time trying to get it fixed. Right. And you know, and that just, that kind of stuff, I just have to, you know, get into them a little bit and say, hey, that this it's going to happen. You're gonna you're gonna fail. You need to fail. You should fail because you should be trying so hard that not everything's going to be easy for you. But if you drop that rope, you better do it as fast as physically possible. Pick that rope back up and start going again. Yeah. Even if you fail in the next the, the next flip, do it again. Do it again as fast as you can. Um, to try to build in that, you know, that sense of urgency in every, yeah. you know, we try to coach, you know, every coach does throughout the year. They're coaching the little things, doing the little things right. Well, I I try to incorporate that throughout the whole year. You know, are you not a jump kid doing squats that are being lazy with their squats or you know, not getting down low enough. Like we test low, we don't test that high. So you might want to get down and train for what you're gonna, you know, what you're gonna work for. Right. Um, that's that's just my biggest thing. Yes. Yeah. Just the just the effort and the the 
you know, it's hard to be enthusiastic sometimes. I, I know. And that's why I, it's, I wasn't the, I wasn't the overly outward loud vocal player whenever I was the player. I just knew that I was just going to do as hard as I could and, and just work my butt off. And if people noticed, they noticed and they followed along, but I wasn't going to be the vocal leader at all times. So I know that there's the guys out there that aren't going to be the vocal leader, but they need to be the ones that are, you know, the, the visual, the guy that's out there that's that yeah. people see are, are working yeah. uh, no matter what, whether it's a five yard sprint or just jogging at water or whatever, do right. everything as fast as you can. Yeah. I mean, and I think the word that you can, you can use that you already said, but that, that can kind of sum all that up is urgency, you know, and mm-hmm. everything that you do, do it with a sense of urgency. And, and because a lot of sins can be forgiven if you're doing something w- with great effort, with, with a sense of urgency, like you, like you talked about, you can forgive a kid screwing up on jump ropes. If he's giving it everything you got, you can forgive a kid for, you know, make you know, making a mistake on a play. If he's going 100%, what's unforgivable is a kid, you know, missing a play or whatever because of lack of effort. And, and like you said, I think that's something, you know, although it's jump ropes in, in, in February, you know, that matters uh, in, in September and October and November during the middle of football season. That stuff adds up and matters. Well, you already kind of mentioned this, you know, with, with the kids, maybe their football IQ not being what it used to be with all of the other things out there for them you know, video games and, and things like that, social media. So how do we as coaches combat that and, and, and get that buy-in of kids and get them to, to you know, to play the, the kind of defense that we want them playing where they're paying attention to details and they're, and they're playing with a sense of urgency? How do we, how do, we do that? Uh, I know you've already mentioned some, but how, what are some of the ways we can do that as coaches? I think it's one of those things that, when you get a chance to have to have a meeting, whether it be a one-on-one meeting, a team meeting, position meeting, whatever, that's one of those things needs to be addressed. Because I actually had this conversation earlier with a colleague of mine that um, you know all these kids want to you know go play football at this next level. I want to play football in college. I want to play football in college. But what they don't understand is the difference in what they're doing in high school versus college is just miles. Yeah. But of just what's what it is for you. You are basically an employee of the university when you go to, you know, when you go to college, play football, you're doing what, you know, that's what you're there for. So if you're not, if you're not putting forth that effort, if you're not trying to learn more, if you're not in there working out when everybody else isn't, you know, then it's, it's hard to believe you when you say, I want to go play college. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I, I've had to pull some aside. You can't just, basically be a you know want to say i want to play college football and then ruin you know just be just totally miserable for the next five years yeah you know you've got to work for it you've got to you know that's why i think it was because i had my tough time plenty of tough times in college it's it's a hard hard thing to do is play football in college but i was raised to work your tail off and everything you do no matter what and uh, that got me through a lot of those really tough workouts tough you know alarm clocks going off tough this this and that type things whenever i was there so that's you know that's one of those things that these days of it's difficult to kids want the end result without working for it or without necessarily um understanding the what it takes to get that right you know oh coach rivals has me as a whatever like whatever i didn't 
I don't even know if I had a star. You probably Google. I mean, they didn't have Google back then. But if you Googled my name when I was in high school, like nobody ever heard of me. U of H gave me a chance to go play for them. Right. And then I, you know, I was second team all conference as a senior and started every game in my college career. So, you know, there's some things that, that, that kids I think are worried about. Don't get me wrong. I think, you know, they're, they go play seven on seven here, this, this and that, but there's just something about going, being with your teammates, working out with your teammates at your school, with your coaches that also puts that where you can see all of those things too. Yeah. You know, that where they can, they're physically, they're physically there and, you know, they do a better job learning and growing as a teammate and, Cause a lot of them just want to be players. They don't want to be a teammate. And unfortunately this is the greatest team sport there is. Yeah. You better be a team player. If you're going to put, if you want to play it well. Man, that is a great point. Uh, I like what you said. You know, a lot of them want to be players. They don't want to be teammates. That is such a, a crucial thing for those guys to understand because the truth is that you said a lot of them aren't going to play college football. Uh, mm -hmm. They may, they may think they're going to, they want to. And then, you know, the dust settles after their senior year and they realize, you know, reality hits them in the face that, hey, this is the end. And, you know, now what you were as a player really doesn't matter, but what you were as a teammate, now that can carry you on, you know, into your career and, and as, a, as a husband and as a, as, a, as a dad, as an employee. So that's a great point. I think it's, it's more important those guys learn how to, to be, to be t teammates first uh, mm -hmm. and, and let the other stuff take care of itself. Does it help? Uh, that you played college football at the University of Houston, or you know, right there in y'all's backyard. When when talking to those guys, is that does that give you a little more credibility? Um, it does uh, to a certain degree. Um, I think it helped more when I was a younger coach because I was like right out of it. And yeah. I feel like you know, if I needed to get down there and get with them, I could, and I probably still could for the most part. But <laughs> I'm 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 36 now, so. Um, you know, a little bit, I'm a little bit slower than, uh, than I used to be, but, um, you know, I, it, it is, it, I think it does help, you, you know, I, I, I can't speak for it, right. I, right. I, I feel like it does to some, to, cause there's obviously some that are, you know, if you asked eight years ago or whenever it was, maybe U of H wasn't that good at that time. So they maybe said, Oh, that was just U of H. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I've seen you play high school football. You, they, U of H is not going to even look at you. So, yeah, type thing. Yeah, you know. But, yeah, well, well, talk about. I, I think I think I heard you mention, or you had mentioned uh, when we talked before that that your dad was a high school football coach. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So so how did that play into uh, your mentality as a player, and then and then, and now as a coach? So my dad was like my my coach growing up, he didn't like coach me in any sports. He just like coached me in like life and yeah. little technique things. So he wasn't like my little league coach or anything like that. But if I wasn't running the bases hard, he definitely let me know it, you know, that type thing. So yeah. he, he, he was kind of that guy that, um, that always coached me to, to be that effort guy and to, and to put forth the extra time, into doing something and, and doing things technically right because he he actually coached, uh, taught me how to throw shot put when i was younger so there was those times in high school where you know whether it be maybe before the season started or something like that before track started and i'd take a shot in the disc or something for, and then we'd go and throw on the weekends and those practices were just grueling because you know being a it's just such a technical sport right that 
it. I mean, you may throw your best on this one throw, and then if all the techniques aren't there the next one, you're going to throw worse kind of a thing. And my dad was always a big proponent of, hey, let's sit on a good one. So if I didn't throw a good one in his mind, then it was going to be a long day. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's you know, him him being around um, or him hadn't coached that, that much time because he coached through a lot of different places and towards uh, his, at the end of his career, he was in HISD at some schools that were definitely struggling athletically. But he, you know, he was always just really passionate about just success and doing, you know, us putting forth great effort all growing up. We played little league soccer, soccer and baseball and basketball and all that stuff. We actually didn't play football until we were in seventh grade. That was his rule. That yeah. uh, he's like, I don't want to, you know, a bunch of dads out there just telling you how to basically run hit people. Yeah, kind of he he liked the technical aspect of it, which is crazy enough. Now I watch, you know, some of our athletes go and play catch with the football, and it's like, oh my god, have you ever done this before? Yeah, exactly. Type thing. Whereas you know, learn how to kick a ball, I learned from because I kicked a soccer ball. Learn how yeah. to throw a ball, learn because yeah. I threw a baseball when I was younger. Yeah. Type things, and then of course just pick up games and whatnot. But he's, um, yeah. So my dad was definitely my biggest influence going into my coaching career or going into my just athletic career, I guess. Yeah. And, um, he actually, he passed away going into my senior year, like the first week of my senior year. So he didn't get to watch me play, uh, as oh, a senior wow. in high school or in college. Actually, I wore my, his Jersey number in college. Oh, because, wow. That's awesome. Um, which was odd because, well, he played middle linebacker at Texas tech. Okay. And he was number, he wore number 62, which was odd. Oddly enough, just a weird number. I yeah. guess for the linebacker at that time in the late sixties, and then um, whenever I went to U of H, uh, they first gave me number ninety six or something like that, in ninety five. And another D lineman was there before me. He was number sixty two, and he actually transferred. Um, so I said, I, I told him, I said, "Hey, sixty uh, two is available. Can I have it?" And they're like, "Why do you want sixty two? Like well, that's my dad's number." So now, so I played defensive line at U of H wearing number 62, <laughs> which again is a, an odd number to have as a D lineman. Right. But, um, so definitely a big influence on me yeah. uh, growing up. And it's nice to hear from, I actually work with a guy now that um, that my dad coached him throwing shot put growing up. He yeah. was Jersey Village as well. Just He's a few years older than I am. So he coached him kind of the same thing, wow. take him up there on the weekends. So I hear some good stories every now and yeah. then. Well, that's that's awesome that you got to experience that with your dad, and and and, and I think it comes back to that's one of the things that that's missing from uh, many of our athletes that we're coaching today is is that that father son relationship. Hey, let's get out in the yard and throw the football, or kick a soccer ball, or swing a baseball bat, or or whatever. And so then you get these kids who are up in high school and you watch them play catch with each other. Like, dude, have you not ever played catch before? And and the truth is, no. Uh, they had. Yeah. I, I was playing catch pregame. This is a true story. Uh, before, uh, actually, it was before practice one day this year. We had a trainer, a guy trainer, and I said, "Hey, man, so throw me that football. Let's play catch." He said, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." And and you know, as a D line coach, I don't ever get to touch a football. So I'll, anytime yeah. there's one lying around, I'm picking it up and gonna throw it a little bit. And uh, we got done throwing, and I'm just just jacking around. He said, "Coach, no one's ever played catch with you before." I was like, "Really? Wow." And, and it just kind of it, it it really stuck with me that that's what's missing mm -hmm. 
with a lot of these guys is there's no there is no male figure in their lives just taking them and saying hey let's go let's go throw throw a ball and and so not only are they missing that but then they're missing all the lessons and and like you said you talked about your dad you know getting on you if you didn't run through the bases or whatever you know all that stuff they're missing when they get to us so we're trying to make up for a lost mm-hmm. childhood in four years which is really really difficult uh, but which makes our job as coaches all that much more important so uh, that's a, that's a great story about your dad. I'm glad you shared that with us. Well, coaches, we kind of wrap things up. Talk about what's one way you're looking to improve as a coach this off season. Um, I like going to clinics. Um, I was actually st- going to go to one. Heard some good speakers in at Lone Star Clinic College Station until my daughter came down with uh, the flu and uh, sinus infection and oh, wow. all this other stuff. So yeah, but luckily I. I you know, just uh, I like to go to clinics. I've uh, been to another one here last weekend, but uh, just get info from colleges too. You know, the, the nice thing about going to some clinics sometimes, like, hey, just, you know, let me know if you need something. And usually for the most part, they're pretty good. They probably put a GA on it or something, but, you know, they'll, they'll reach out. And um, when they come in recruiting kids or something like that, sometimes it, if they got a little bit of time, put him on the, you know, talk to him about little stuff. Yeah. Especially if he's your position, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and they'll, and they'll also be able to hook you up too. Cause they'll give, give you their card and, and, you know, send out some information. So yeah, I know like what we've, what we've done defensively, it kind of started when we got it from Oregon years ago uh, with our three, four stuff. And, and then I know the, the four threes that y'all run kind of branched from, I think Muschamp or something yep. when he was at yep. um, exactly right. ET. So yep, That's exactly you know, right. It's all we, nobody creates this stuff. It's all passed down from somewhere. So exactly. Sometimes you just go go out on a limb and and ask and and people will will open up to you. Yeah, yeah. That's the great thing about our profession is, uh, you know, you don't have to uh, search very hard or look very hard for people who want to help you, and and I think that's that's such a key thing about this about you know improving our game and, and improving this profession is the, those guys are willing to share information and, and pass things down that they've learned um, and share that, that information with other guys. Well, Coach, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and, and talking with us and really uh, appreciate it and uh, want to wish you uh, good luck this offseason and, and, and next season as well. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Coach Lane for talking with us today. Check out our show notes for his contact information. Also, if you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review this podcast. Also, be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Our quote of the day comes from Coach Lane's fellow Jersey Village alumnus who I mentioned earlier in the show, Houston rapper Chameleonaire. He said, life is what you make of it. Don't make excuses. Make it happen. So coaches, get out there and make it happen this week. And until next time, keep your pads down. <laughs>